0: So our first reading today is taken from Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Now moving on to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ amongst those being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, An aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people... Letters of recommendation to you or from you. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
1: Thanks, Jonathan, and good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Uh, as we heard from Stephen and from Craig and from Lucy uh, just a bit earlier, we're asking our friends, our family members, our workmates, um, what do you think God is like? That's, that's the big question we're asking at the moment. Um, and the idea is it's a, it's a conversation starter. It gets people thinking about who God is. Um, but it takes confidence to ask a question like that, doesn't it? You, you're putting yourself out there. You don't know how the person will respond. Uh, you don't know what questions they might ask back at you. And you don't know what they'll think about you deep down either. Uh, we're going to hear in a moment from Anya, who um, works with one of our mission partners, AFES, at Mawson Lakes University, and, and the students who are part of AFES at uni campuses all around Adelaide are preparing for something called Jesus Week, uh, and that's when they put on colourful jumpers, and they, they go around the uni campus chatting to people they know, people they don't know, um, inviting them to come along to events to explore more about who Jesus is. Um, now, that is putting yourself out there. That, that's, that takes confidence. Any time that we're publicly living for Jesus, we're, we're putting ourselves out there. So where does the confidence come from to do that, to, to stand out like that? Well, I think it's a great comfort to read today's passage and see that even the Apostle Paul, one of, perhaps the most famous Christian in history, apart from Jesus, was, was confident not because of his own abilities. Uh, We're in the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he he wants them to know why it is that he is so confident proclaiming Jesus and why it is that they can be confident in Jesus themselves. Um, So firstly, Paul says, uh, we're confident because God has sent us. Uh, Verse 14, he says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. Uh, now, the picture here is of a, a parade after a Roman military victory back in the, back in the Corinthians days, 2,000 years ago. Uh, Jesus, in this illustration, seems to be playing the role of the, the general who's won the victory, and he's at the, at the head of the parade. Uh, the question is, who are we? Who are we in this parade? Um, you'll see I've bracketed the words as captives, Uh, Because those words, they're not actually there in the original language. That's something that um, whoever put this translation together has added those words in there um, because uh, they're they're assuming that that's what Paul meant, that Paul is identifying with the people who have been taken captive in the war and they're they're on their way to get executed. Um, It fits in with a lot of other stuff in 2 Corinthians about Paul talking about the the sacrificial and costly nature of ministry. and, And it could be that that's what Paul is talking about. Um, but another possibility is that Paul is referring to the, the, the people whose job it was to to wave incense around in those in those parades and they 'd be waving the incense and ev- everyone would smell the incense so the, the, the people who had been saved and rescued in, in the battle would smell it uh, the people who 'd been taken captive and were being led to their execution would smell it they 'd all be smelling the same smell, but they 'd have very different mindsets towards it. Um, it would make it makes sense of what Paul says about, about spreading the knowledge, spreading the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. And, and he picks up on that in the next couple of verses as well, 15 and 16, where, where Paul says, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Uh, to the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. Uh, so Paul is saying it's, it's our job to give everyone, so believers, unbelievers alike, everyone a sense of Jesus, to be the aroma of Christ, for Jesus to have a, a distinctive presence in the world through us. Uh, knowing that, that for some people this will be a positive presence, that they'll appreciate it, uh, but for many it won't be. And who is equal to such a task? Paul asks, who's worthy to represent Jesus in this way? Who's able to handle the gravity of such a task, the consequences of such a task? We are, he says. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So, So we're equal to the task because we've been sent by God to speak the word of God. Uh, Paul is speaking here as an apostle, so he's, he's someone who's been sent by God in a very unique capacity, uh, and yet there's broad application here for every Christian. Uh, we're called to be the aroma of Christ in the world. Um, drawing a bit on the all-ages spot here, but it, it's a bit like when you walk into a cafe and that smell of freshly roasted coffee just hits you in the, hits you in the face. Now, now, whether you like the smell of coffee or not, there is no Mistaking that. You know exactly where you are. Whether that's the smell of life or the smell of death to you, you know exactly where you are. Um, or to put it another way, when someone opens a tin of tuna or whatever on earth that fish is, <laughs> some pictures you can almost smell, can't you, when you, you see the picture, where, um, when, when someone opens a tuna, can of tuna right next to you. Um, it's the sort of distinctiveness that Paul is talking about. Let's get that picture off there. <laughs> so, so how do we be that presence? How are we equal to that task? It's by speaking sincerely about Jesus in the knowledge that this is the work that God's given us to do. This is the message that he's given us to speak. That Jesus is Lord. He's died to save us. He's our living king. He's coming back one day and and, and he's worthy of all praise and glory. Uh, for many of us here, that, that is a beautiful, life-giving message that, that, that we are building our lives on. it 's an aroma of life. Uh, but for many people, that 's not a message that they want to hear. that 's not a message they 're going to respond well to. Uh, and for those of us who know Jesus, I think, I think the challenge is how we making sure that we smell the same every day of the week. We're not just happy to, to smell like Christ around other Christians when it's a, when it's a nice and appreciated smell. But, but we have that same aroma when we're around people who don't know Jesus as well. And I've got to say, I, I think this is hard. When I, I come here this morning, someone asks me how my week's gone. I'm, I'm very happy to, to answer it in a very Christian, Jesus-centered way kind of way. But, but when I go off to, to play group on Tuesday and I'm talking to other dads who, who don't go to church and, and one of them asks me how my weekend's been, there's a real temptation to answer it in a very very worldly kind of way. Oh, I just had a normal weekend like you, you know, I took the family to the park, watched the footy, chopped a tree down, went to church, mowed the lawn as well. Um, very, very tempting just to, just to kind of fit in with that conversation. Uh, we've got a big task, We've got a big task, spreading the aroma of Christ everywhere. And we can approach it with confidence because God has sent us. He's given us a message to speak and God has made us competent. Uh, So chapter 3, Paul Paul says, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? As we read through 2 Corinthians, we kind of, we kind of pick up that Paul has, has been copping criticism for, for not being as impressive as some of the other speakers that were, that were going around on the public circuit at that time. They were, they, they were getting better Google reviews, they were drawing bigger crowds than Paul was. And it raises a couple of questions. The first one is, why should Paul be confident speaking God's message if he's, if he's just not a very impressive speaker? And then secondly, why should the Corinthians be confident believing his message if there are better speakers out there talking about other things? Well, Paul says to the Corinthians, I don't need to come to you with letters of recommendation because you yourselves are my letter. Written on on my heart, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. So, so he's saying the Corinthians themselves, they are the evidence that Paul's message is the real deal. They, they heard, they believed, and they were changed. You yourselves are a letter of recommendation from Jesus himself, Paul is saying to them. So much so that, that Paul's ministry is even better than the Ten Commandments and, and, and the law that God had given to his people all, all those years ago in the Old Testament. Because Paul's ministry is fulfilling God's promise that that law was pointing to. That's the promise of a new and better covenant. So, this is the covenant I will make with Israel, declares the law. This is in the, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah back in the, in the Old Testament. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Uh, so God's law is good. It's, it's a good thing, but, but, but it's external. It's words on paper. It, it couldn't actually change people from the inside, a bit like a, a speed limit sign that says 60 kilometers an hour. It doesn't, doesn't fill me with a passion for road safety. It just makes me want to avoid getting a fine. Uh, so in the new covenant, God sends his Holy Spirit to live in our hearts, to, to bring about conviction and change from the inside. So much so that, that Paul can say that we have confidence through, through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything, but our competence comes from God. So Paul is the real deal, not because he's a great speaker, but because of what God is doing God has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Why is Paul competent? It's got nothing to do with him. It's because God has brought about a new covenant, not with an external law, but with an internal life-giving work of the Spirit, where competence to be the aroma of Christ, because the power isn't in us. The power isn't in us, it's in the gospel. So it's not up to me to change people, it's the Holy Spirit who changes people. So where does our confidence confidence for ministry come from? Um, Whether it's asking people what they think God is like, uh, whether it's leading a Bible study or, or a Trinity kids class, or... Maybe it's raising our own kids, or or whether it's been part of a ministry like AFES, which we'll hear about a bit later. Where does our confidence come from for something like that? Well, if it comes from our own abilities, then we are in big trouble. Our confidence and our competence comes from God. And that's a great encouragement in those times when we're confronted with the limits of our own abilities. Uh, we did a mission survey here a, a couple, of, couple of months back, and one of the questions we had was, what, what are the barriers to, to sharing our faith with, with people we know who don't know Jesus? And some of the biggest barriers we, we had were just how to start the conversation, how to answer the hard questions that come up. And I totally get that. I, I feel that too. But if our competence is grounded in God's work and not ours, then we can step out in faith And trust God to use us, even in our incompetence. And if our competence for mission comes from God and not from us, then, well, we need to pray. Uh, Stephen mentioned before, we've got a a mission prayer night that's happening tonight. This is something that we do once a term as a church. uh, Because people we know and people all around the world who we don't know desperately need to know Jesus. Jesus. And prayer is the ultimate indicator of whether we're trusting in ourselves or whether we're trusting in God to make that happen. It'd be great to really pack out the the Foley's lounge room tonight and really bombard God with our prayers so that more and more people would come to know Jesus. I'd love to love to see you there. The letter kills, the law kills because all it can do is show us our guilt, all it can do is show us how we're getting it wrong. But the spirit gives Life, because he shows us that Jesus came to deal with our guilt which brings us to Paul's next point which is that God has shown us his glory we can be confident because God has shown us his glory Paul wants the Corinthians to to put their confidence not in letters of recommendation from people but in the glory of Jesus And so he shows them how the beauty of Jesus in the new covenant is far more stunning even than the glory of God in the old covenant. This old covenant ministry, Paul Paul tells us, was a ministry of death because the law can't change us. All it can do is condemn us. All the speed limit sign on the street can do is give a reason for the police to be able to fine us when we drive too fast. And yet this old covenant law came with great glory. And we heard about it in our Exodus reading that, that Jonathan brought to us. Uh, so Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God, he, he goes back down the mountain, and, and his face is glowing. He has to cover up his face with a veil to, to not freak out the rest of the Israelites. And so if, if even this old covenant, even this ministry of death was was glorious in an external kind of way, then then how much more so the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which, which changes our hearts from the inside by showing us Jesus. Moses put a, a veil over his face, which stops the people from, from seeing God's glory physically. And Paul's saying that in the, in the same way, there is a spiritual veil that stops people from seeing God's glory. So when we ignore God or when, when we think that it's up to us, to be good enough for God, there's, there's a veil that's, that's preventing us from seeing who God truly is. And there's only one way that that barrier, that veil is removed. And that's by seeing Jesus. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord Jesus, Paul says, the veil is taken away. It's when we, we see Jesus, that we see God in all of his glory. We see his beauty and this is the ministry of the Spirit. This is the new ministry showing us Jesus. It's not an external glory that, that shines in one person's face but fades away a bit like a bit like a phone running out of battery. It's an inside out glory that that lights up the hearts of many. You're asking for letters of recommendation. Paul's asking the Corinthians, that, that's what you're putting your confidence in? Letters of recommendation from ordinary people? Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. When we see the, the beauty and the glory of God in Jesus, it, it's a bit like looking at the sun. It, it just puts all other sources of light to shame. Um, so a torch seems pretty bright in the middle of the night when, you, when you're shining it about in the darkness. But go out in the middle of the day on a, on a bright, sunny day, shine your torch, and you don't even realize the torch is on because the glory of the sun just overshadows everything. And this is why we put ourselves out there by, by asking something like the big question about what do you think God is like. This is why ministries like AFES exist on our university campuses. It's so that more and more people see the glory of God in Jesus, and put their confidence in him. Now, maybe you're here with us this morning just just checking church out. You've got lots of the whole God, religion, faith thing is still a bit overwhelming or confusing for you. You've got lots of questions, lots of barriers to believing, if any of it's true. What I want to say is the key to, to getting it all is to see who Jesus is. To see his beauty. And a great way to start would be to to perhaps sit down with someone and read through one of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life that we have in the Bible and and to to understand who Jesus is, to to read about Jesus' life, his teaching, his death to to save us, his resurrection after he died. See, in Jesus, we, we don't stand condemned by the law, we're free. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The veil has been lifted. We can freely see God's glory displayed in Jesus. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is the ministry of Jesus. He shows us the glory of Jesus, the freedom and the life that we have in Jesus' name. And we get this beautiful verse to finish. We all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We gaze on Jesus. We see his glory. This is the heartbeat of the Christian life, taking in the beauty of Jesus. There's going to be a day when we'll see him even more clearly, one day in heaven face to face but we get a pretty good look even now and it's not just that we get to gaze on Jesus did did you see that? it's not just that we get to gaze on Jesus but but as we fix our eyes on him we become more like him the Holy Spirit transforms us more and more from the inside into his likeness now I'd love it if I could just get a, a photo of Chris Hemsworth and stare at that for a few hours each day and Look a bit more like him as, as, um, as time goes on. But, but how much better to be able to gaze on Jesus, the, the perfect human, the perfect Son of God, and become more like him? If you're anything like me, you find it natural to have a bit of an, a bit of an activist approach to, to following God, a, a big focus on what I'm doing for God, which, you know, that, and that, that's right in some ways. But, but what's even more important is us gazing on Jesus. If my, if my whole Christian life is about me working hard for God and wanting to do more and more for him, it's, it's a bit like climbing up Moriolta, climbing up all the, the, the steep bits of the route, and, but not taking in the spectacular views that you get on the top and on the, on the, on the way up. So let's gaze on Jesus. When I'm, when I'm reading the Bible, asking myself, what is this passage showing me about Jesus? How is it showing me my need for Jesus? How is it pointing me to God's glory in him those times in life where we where we get it wrong reminding ourselves that it's not us that makes ourselves right it's Jesus who makes us right with God and in those times where where it just feels like God expects more of me than I'm able to give casting that weight on Jesus what gives us confidence to to ask people what they think God is like what gives us confidence that people in our lives and, and people in the world beyond us are going to be changed by the message about Jesus? Uh, what gives us confidence about a ministry like AFES on our university campuses being able to lead people to Jesus? Well, it's nothing about ourselves. It's nothing about Anya or, or any of our other mission partners. We can have confidence in who God is by looking to Jesus seeing God's goodness and God's glory revealed through him. And we can have confidence to, to proclaim Jesus, to make him known, to put ourselves out there, because God has sent us to make Jesus known. It's the message of Jesus' death and resurrection that God uses by his spirit to bring people from death to life as they behold Jesus. And it's this message, this new covenant, that makes us competent to be the aroma of Christ. And so authentic confidence is found in the gospel and it's found in Jesus. Let's pray. Our loving and faithful God, we thank you for the competence and the confidence that we can have in Jesus. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, showing us your glory in Jesus, transforming us to be more like Jesus. Help us to each day to fix our eyes on the beauty and the sufficiency of Jesus and that in him we would confidently speak your message
0: and spread the knowledge of you everywhere. Amen.